Well, hey guys, welcome to the Bowhunting Soul Podcast. Thanks for joining me again. Um, today, I've got a couple of guys that uh, you really ought to be following if you're not on YouTube. Um, they are Trevor and Hunter Brunk from Brunk Outdoors. Super popular um, uh, YouTube channel. A couple of guys, uh, you know, grew up in a hunting family. They still hunt as a family. Uh, they're brothers, their dad hunts. Uh, I mean, just, just all around, like... Um, Good guys. They um, they live in Iowa. They hunt a mix of uh, private and public, and do some you know out of state trips, uh, out west that kind of stuff. Just just all round. They're uh, you know archery, rifle, uh, muzzleloader, you name it. So we had a really really good conversation about uh, just kind of um, all, all over everything really. I mean anything from uh, growing up, you know how to get kids into hunting and how they got into hunting and the importance of woodsmanship and small game and gun safety and that kind of stuff all the way to, um, you know, more modern things like, uh, you know, YouTube and social media and, uh, all, all the other things that, you know, we, we kind of deal with, uh, I don't want to say on a daily basis, but at least as far as if you're going to run a channel or do a channel or a podcast or anything like that. Um, you certainly have to deal with that kind of stuff. So anyway, uh, yeah, this was the first time we had a, a three-way conversation, which was it worked out really good, actually. I'm, I'm glad we kind of pulled that off. That was the first because I've never had two guests on at the same time before. And, um, yeah, if we talked over each other, I don't think we really did. I think the recording came out pretty good as far as uh, the way Skype handles that. So if we did talk over each other, I, I apologize. We, we do it audio only, no video. So we really can't see when someone's about to, you know, speak or, uh, you know, want, wants to interject or anything like that. But um, anyway, it came out great. I want to thank those guys uh, for, for coming on. It was a super easy conversation. Again, they're just a couple of good guys that, um, you know, they're, they're doing stuff the right way. If you watch any of their content, uh, you'll know you'll know what I'm talking about. You know they shoot a lot of big deer, but uh, they do also you know show their humility on on, on some things, on some failed uh, you know uh, some 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 failed attempts and equipment and trying new things, and um, they just kind of do it all. They'll shoot anything you know from from on the ground. They do a lot of ground hunting to tree stands and box blinds, everything. So. Um, Really, really enjoyed talking to them. Uh, they also said they are uh, re, well restarted a podcast, uh, Modern Huntsman. I'm gonna go subscribe, and uh, it sounds like it should be pretty interesting. So, uh, by the time you listen to this, it should be we should be into March. We should be into March, and we should be in the full time or not full time, but full scale. Hopefully, in uh, Turkey Mania, as far as um, getting ramped up uh, ramped up for turkey season i'm not sure how many seasons open up around the country that that early i know in minnesota we don't open up until uh middle of april so definitely looking forward to that i went out squirrel hunting today this is the 16th by the way or 17th 17th february 17th is when i'm recording this and i went out squirrel hunting today for um, a few hours uh, walked a few miles um did not see a single squirrel, but I actually went to a, um, a wildlife management area that I haven't been to in about five or six years, and I went way deeper and found way cooler stuff in there than, than I'd ever uh, been in there before, mostly because I, it, it was pretty much the heat of September when all the foliage and the ferns and, and, and the, the brush and everything is, is and mosquitoes mostly are just overwhelming. And I wasn't able to get very uh, deep. Now, of course, it was uh, six degrees and kind of snowing and snow packed, and I was able to get very, very far. And I've got, I probably put, I think, four or five really good pins uh, on Onyx. 
with uh, some deer sign and some rubs and rub lines and uh, coming out of bedding areas and stuff like that. Um, of course, I'm not the only one that knows that because, you know, there was, I'm sure people go in there and there was a scent wick on one of them. So I, I guarantee you that any anywhere I'm going to go, other people are going to go too. That's just the way it's been lately the past couple of years. Um, it's just something you got to deal with and hopefully they're not there when you're there if you decide to go. But I also found a new uh, turkey spot too. I was walking down uh, down the path and uh saw a i believe it was a hen um it was just a, it was just a big you know turkey bird uh, i was far enough away that i couldn't really see it was kind of walking sideways away from me and then it ducked into the tree line but uh when i got there there was a ton of of turkey tracks and uh, that got me really excited because it's yet another new area um where turkeys are going to be uh i know if you've find one you're gonna find them there or at least a bunch of tracks anyway you're gonna find them there pretty much uh, unless they get chased out of there for some reason but the, the other areas that I've been hunting turkeys they've been there for years so um, anyway this is one more one more area for me to go and potentially check out I'm really excited about that so um, other than that uh, that's really about it so um, I want to thank you guys for your support remember if you want to support uh, the channel or Boning Soul in any way, whatever, definitely go to the YouTube channel and click on you know any of those videos. Do a drop down, and um, you know go through Amazon that way. I'm an affiliate. Uh, doesn't cost you a dime. You still get to use Prime. You still get to use all that other stuff. But if you click on any of my products that I uh, I link in the description, you just do look little drop down in the in the description of the video. Um, and you get to Amazon that way, then I get a commission back for it. Not much, but you know, it's it, it's something, and it's, I, I greatly greatly appreciate it. And it doesn't cost you anything except a couple extra key clicks. And if you happen to be watching the videos anyway, might as well do it. So um, that's it. Anyway, without any uh, any further ado, here is my interview with Trevor and Hunter Brunk of Brunk Outdoors. Thanks for listening. Recording. Got it. There we go. Starting recording. Everyone, everyone, see that? We're all good. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Cool. So, uh, Trevor and Hunter Brunk from Brunk on Brunk Outdoors. Thanks for being on. I really appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Um, so we're we're doing a three way call here, and so this is a first for uh, you know my technical abilities here at Bowhunting Soul. So. Um, if we kind of talk over each other, we kind of discuss this a little bit before recording, but if we kind of talk over each other or whatever, you know, apologies to anybody listening, but, um, we don't do this with, uh, with video cause the computers and everything just, just can't keep up. It's all audio. So no one knows you, you, you kind of lose that, uh, uh, you know, when someone goes to talk, you know, like you were just, uh, I think Hunter, you were just talking about with, with online classes, you know, it's kind of, uh, someone goes to talk and they talk over each other and it's just, it's just like a big mess, you know, with, with zoom and, and online or distance learning and that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll figure our way through this though. You, you guys, you guys set for that? Yeah, I think. Yeah. Cool. I think so smoother than we think everyone's learning their way through it, but yeah. now we've all got too much practice. <laughs> unfortunately yeah so um you guys uh you guys are in iowa um i'm just i'm just north of you you guys do you guys without giving uh you know exact location away where in the state kind of are you located like the general area so we're from uh the cedar Rapids area actually that's where we are uh, grew up and we both have jobs back there. I go to 
University of Iowa right now. I'm still in school. I'm actually in my last semester, so I'm excited to graduate and move on to a full-time job and and all that jazz. But we spend most of our time up there, and right now we've been haunting southern Iowa. We have a around about a 200-acre property our dad owns down here, so we got a place to stay. And most of the hunting is down here, but we also we always joke all the time. I think we just talked about this. We actually just recorded a podcast for ours um, last night, and we were saying it's so hard when people ask us that question because it's like we'll drive honestly like an hour and a half just one way to get to a spot if it's public land or stuff like that. And then I got a buddy um, in a different part of Southern Iowa that I like to piggyback off of and get to hunt with him sometimes. We got a buddy in Northwest Iowa. So we jump around uh, probably more than we should. And I'd say we just hunt all of Iowa, I guess. And every now and then we get to take some DIY trips out to, we've hunted Colorado um, a bunch of times, probably seven or eight times now. Right, Trevor? Yeah seven or eight times for elk and we had mule deer tags but we were always too focused on trying to kill an elk and then we've gone out to montana that was probably the the coolest diy trip was out in montana for uh spring black bear and we were able to to kill two bears on that trip and then we've gone on a couple different uh miriam turkey hunts one in north or one in south dakota and one in nebraska so we just like to hunt and we just like to film our hunts. Yeah. Um, you, you guys, you guys definitely are, are I mean, are, are pretty passionate about it. Like I said, I, I watch your stuff, um, subscribe to your channel and stuff. And, uh, it's, you, you're, you're, you're not like the typical, like, I don't want to say T cause no one's really a TV hunter anymore, you know? Um, but you definitely fall into that kind of genuine YouTube, um, this is how like, like average people do it, you know, that are like super, super passionate about it. And, th and that's, that's, it comes across like really, really genuine. I like the way you guys, um, I don't say like definitely the way you present yourselves, you know, but you're, there, there's a lot, it's tough to describe. Okay. And I know I'm kind of, kind of mincing my words here, but, um, there's a lot of, um, honesty and a lot of humility too in the way you guys approach things you know like there, there's some humor in there like i mean there's there's some clips i've watched where like something just goes wrong um i think hunter it was it was you um maybe a couple seasons ago or whatever i can't exactly remember what it was you, you, you hiked in somewhere or you tried to get there somewhere pretty deep and and it, i mean it was just it was i think you were running late and then you couldn't get to somewhere and then you, i mean it was just everything just kind of fell apart anyway you were just like this is ridiculous i've spent like i can't remember you said how many hours like walking literally like a quarter mile or whatever whatever it was, you know? So that's, that's refreshing to, to, to watch that and be like, okay, not everybody on these channels is, you know, successful all the time. And they go through the same trials and tribulations that the average, like Joe Blow does, you know what I mean? So it comes across as very genuine and it's, I think it's appreciated. Uh, yeah. And I think that's really kind of the, the main passion for our channel. I mean, to be honest, we really, kind of started it not thinking it was ever going to do much of anything um you know growing up as kids watching michael waddell and all those real tree guys it's like oh man it'd be a dream to be on tv one day but you know 
it, it never was like a realistic dream to do and it still isn't but you know now or we really started putting videos up on youtube just so we could share our hunts with one another because we didn't have we honestly didn't have enough memory space on our computers to hold some of the footage that we were getting so like a lot of our older videos we would post like hunts where we didn't see anything and our goal here was to be able to to be like selfish and to be able to go back and watch a lot of these hunts to to not only learn for ourselves or just like me on a hunt or hunter on a hunt but also to share it with our brother and be like hey this is what happened don't do this next time and i think from there it's just kind of grown to other people were able to relate to it like you're saying because you know you only have so many tags during a year and especially if you're hunting your own state then you know you only got one tag so you're not like a tv show where you're shooting three bucks and in a one 30 minute episode right right no I, I, absolutely um and in, in iowa you guys get you said you, you only get one tag in iowa is that one buck tag and and um I, I don't know how to antler how the antlerless stuff goes but i mean it's, it's pretty tough to draw right or it's kind of for yeah. non-residents it's it's tough to draw so right. you know how iowa works you for a resident we could go buy tags over the counter you can get a bow tag and then you can get uh one of the gun tags and there's an early muzzleloader shotgun season or a late muzzleloader season and you a resident has to pick one of those three uh gun seasons and so then they can get two buck tags but if you're a landowner in the state of iowa and you have i think it's five or more continuous acres um you can be signed up on the landowner program. You can get antlerless tags for like $2 and 50 cents a piece or $5 or something like that. Oh, and yeah, for, for only that property. Um, and then you can get an extra, uh, buck tag. That's only valid for that property. So okay. realistically, okay. Uh, a landowner could realistically shoot three bucks in a year. Gotcha. Now you said you guys uh, own, or your your I think you said your dad owns. Probably you hunt with your dad too, right? I I I see that on on your videos and stuff. You guys must have grown up in a, you know, hunting from a young age, right? I mean, your dad your dad obviously hunts. Um, has it been kind of like a tradition in your family for a long time? Is that how you grew up in it? Yeah, for sure. I think we've both been doing it since as soon as. Um, we could walk really and it's it's almost like before that you i just remember memories of just going down to our grandparents place and i just remember like sitting watching out the back window waiting for dad to come back and i remember he'd always walk through the yard and i'd be like looking out the window and i'd be like did you get one and sometimes you know he did because he'd put up like his hands as like an antler symbol and i just i still remember that to this day and i don't know how old i would have been but it it's just kind of ingrained in my head. And I think that's where the love for it really started. His dad, our grandpa, uh, was a hunter as well, but it wasn't, it wasn't anything like what, what we do now. And I think dad really paved the way he, he even like, he got really big into archery deer hunting in college. Um, and that's when it was, you know, more instinctive 
back then too. I mean, obviously not the technology we have now. So he started bow hunting back then. And I think when we were little, he really developed a passion for it because it was almost like uh, nothing else to do right now, really. And he was able to spend a lot of time hunting and had some good success. Um, then he was able to do a couple of pretty cool DIY hunts that we haven't even been able to do yet. I'm actually sitting here looking at a caribou that he got in Alaska and he's never measured it or anything, but it's like a, a huge caribou. And I know the taxidermist was taken around to a couple of shows when he initially got it mounted. So it's, it's pretty cool to look at, but um, he definitely paved the way and it's a huge family venture for us. I think it wouldn't be half as fun if we didn't have each other in it. And I know, I know I hunt just as hard after I fill my tags trying to help out Trevor. And I know it's vice versa. If he fills a tag, he's going to be out there scouting for me. So it, it definitely makes it more enjoyable when you have that group aspect and you get to share it with people. Yeah. Um, for, for that memory to stick into your, you know, it's kind of like ingrained or blazoned into your, into your memory, what you said, where, you know, your dad comes home and he makes that, you know, antler symbol kind of thing. I mean, that's really what it's all about. I mean, think how powerful that is, what you just said, you know, like that one little image still sticks with you after all this time. And it, that image kind of encompasses uh, so many feelings, you know, about hunting and, and family and, and tradition and that kind of stuff. So I think, I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so when was the first time, I guess, I guess, uh, since you were talking Hunter, we can start with you. When was, when was the, the first time that you kind of went afield with hunting anything, whether it's with a bow, shotgun, uh, you know, what have you, how old were you? I know it was, well, we started off small game hunting, which I think it's overlooked a lot nowadays. I think it's probably, probably the best way to get kids involved in hunting or new hunters in general is to take them small game hunting. And that's exactly how we started. We started off pheasant hunting, um, stuff like that. And I honestly don't know. I, I guess probably seven, six or seven. You'd have to help me out on that, Trevor. I know I started turkey hunting maybe one or two years before I started deer hunting. And I started deer hunting in fourth grade. I think I was like eight or something. Wow. <laughs> so... I mean, it's kind of funny because we're we're young guys, right? I said I was just, I'm graduating college, so I'll be turning 22 here in, um, I guess, half a month now. But uh, Trevor's uh, 25, and we're young guys, but it's kind of funny when uh, we used to run into a little bit of a stigma of not being as experienced as some, and we definitely aren't. I mean, we're still young guys, right? But having this passion develop at such a young age. I mean, I've already been hunting for, what is it, like 13, 14 years now. And and having the opportunity to do that when I was still in school and high school and now college, I've just, I've spent more days hunting already than most people get to do in their entire lifetime. And I feel pretty fortunate for it to be able to get started at such a young age and have that fire lit. I feel pretty lucky. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, experience counts for a lot, you know, no matter, no matter when you start. So, and, and you're right. I think, um, cause, because there's so many, like, it seems like young guys too on, uh, especially like this, this kind of surge in YouTube. Um, there's, you know, I, I guess you kind of have to sift through 
the ones that are just kind of just in it because it's popular versus the ones that are in it that are just trying to actually like share the experiences that they really have, you know? So, um, but like I said, I mean, that, that genuineness kind of just kind of, you know, sifts its way to the top kind of thing and, 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 pe- and people see it because you guys are very successful. Um, so Tr- Trevor, how about you? Um, were you, were you also like super young and just kind of grew up with it as far as, as long as you remember? Yeah. I mean, it was the same. I'm being a couple years older than Hunter. I mean, I'm not sure the exact age, but I remember there was a time period where, uh, you know, we were pheasant hunting and dad always made the joke that I was the bird dog because he didn't have a dog at that time. <laughs> and so, I mean, I remember just, I don't, I have no idea how old I was, but I remember just walking through the fields with no gun because um, I was obviously too young to carry a gun. And then after a couple of years of, uh, of doing that, I remember he, he got me a BB gun for Christmas one year and my job was to, to show gun safety. And I remember like to this day, I remember like shooting at a pheasant with my BB gun as, as, as it's hitting up in the air and I'm like, Oh yeah, I totally hit it. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you did buddy. But uh, yeah, I mean, ever since like the same thing with Hunter, you know, seeing dad bow hunt growing up and all of his deer on the wall, just kind of just lit that spark where it was like, this is all I want to do in life. It's, it's just kind of, just kind of very familiar and it's just a lot of fun to to be able to hunt with our family and have these experiences yeah i thought that's important um like you said starting with the bb gun i think i haven't thought about that in years and i just remember how how engraved gun safety was into us and i think that's another thing that doesn't get talked about enough nowadays i think maybe it just seems like people get rushed into it but I just I remember going through high school and then when I'd go hunt with my friends, like it was just never quite as important to anybody else as it was myself or Trevor and and not that they were being unsafe or anything like that. It's just kinda like that extreme gun safety. And I think starting kids off with a with a BB gun is a good way to do it. So I thought I thought that was cool that you brought that up, Trevor. And I wanted to say we appreciate you uh saying how genuine we come off, but I think the reason is is because we just tell the story how it goes, and uh, to be honest, it's all we really have time for. We both have jobs and normal lives like everybody else, so we are definitely going to have just as many hunts go wrong as we are going to have go right, so that's why you see a lot of that. And One other thing I remembered, Trevor, is you remember when we started the channel and like what you were saying, we were kind of storing hunts up there just to go back and look at it. We actually have some private videos that we never shared with anyone that were simply just made to communicate like scouting videos between us. And I wanted to bring that up because I think anybody could do that to communicate with their hunting partners is like go scout a place and then make a video on it and share it. And it just like lets you get all your thoughts in one place. And it, it kind of reminded me of that. I thought it was worth bringing up. Yeah, no. Um, are you are you talking about just keeping it, or even just just sharing it on YouTube, but doing like a private link 
too, because you can do that, right? I mean, you could you can yeah. share to or, or certain people, and you know, speaking of like the, you know, it was taking up too much storage space, kind of thing. It's like, well, you know, if I upload it to you know the cloud or YouTube or whatever, then and I just share it with, you know, a certain select few people, then I'm not, you know, um, I don't know. I guess it's it's, it's kind of like a modern bent on uh, you know all, all the stuff we do nowadays, as far as like scouting and e-scouting and that kind of thing, you know. Um, there's just there's just so many different ways to uh, to do things. Um, I, I want to come back to the gun safety thing too, but what was fresh in my head? Like today, I went out like squirrel hunting, right? And um, I, I it turned into like a scouting mission, and I'm glad it did because um, I I probably like pinned like four or five like really good pins on Onyx today. Um, walked about like two and a half miles like total, you know, just trudging through snow, just trying to find a squirrel. Didn't find, didn't see a single squirrel today, but it was really, really beneficial. And I was going through one little, little patch and I'm like, Oh, you know, I've got this thing, this powerful tool in my hand. It goes both ways, right? Cause it could be detrimental. I've got a phone and I, I, I made a quick little video, um, that I thought, okay, well maybe some newbies to Onyx might enjoy and it was about like hey if you're going to put a pin um did you know that you know you can take a picture of you know the the, the area there and uh you know to take a picture of it you know how and you may forget about it till like october but then you look at it you're like oh that's what that place looked like and you can kind of bring back like okay am i going to go in there with a with a tree stand on the ground and a saddle and whatever what the foliage is going to be like you know that kind of thing and um it's just you know did a quick little video and then I just kept, kept, I haven't uploaded it yet. And I just kept walking, you know, and I, I think all the things that we do, um, both hunting and, and, and like actual hunting and then like scouting and all that kind of stuff has changed so much, um, that you can, you can go down the technology path, but you can also go back to the old school ways of, of doing things and just being outdoors and um, I'm going to kind of like round, round this out here so it makes sense. You talked about the gun safety thing. And I'm really glad you brought that up because I, nowadays, like I, I came into hunting late in life. I'm 46, right? I came into, into it in like my, like, you know, mid, early, early 20s kind of thing. Um, and I really didn't get ramped up until like probably like the last like, like 10, 12 years. Um, so I kind of wasn't around that, you know, being brought up in a hunting family and gun safety and that kind of stuff. But you hear about a lot of these old timers where they say, hey, you know, my uncle, my dad, my grandfather, whatever, they painted this stick, you know, blaze orange. And my job was to walk or a two by four or something, you know, cut the size. And that was my quote unquote rifle. And for the whole year or two or, or however many years it took until like they were like legal to hunt. If they wanted to be in the field, they had to carry this stick with them as if it was a rifle and demonstrate that they knew how to handle, uh, you know, don't point at anyone, you know, handle it the right way, that kind of stuff. You never hear about that stuff anymore. I mean, do you agree with that? Oh, 100%. I mean, I just saw a post on social media the other day of a guy. He just wanted to get a cool product shot. And there's him behind the camera, somebody flushing a bird. And he was up, sh and the guy behind him was shooting. And it's like, come on. Like, like, why are we promoting being yeah. dumb with a gun? Like, this is not this is not cool. And so I think that's just where we were kind of instilled with this gun safety in mind. Where, like, you know, before I even was carrying that BB gun in the field, I was expected to show good mm -hmm. gun safety. 
And then the whole time is just, you know, you're out in the field, you're learning about it and you're respecting the weapons and, you know, growing up, guns were not toys. Like we didn't even grow up in a household that allowed like video games that had violence like that. I mean, we had, Mm -hmm. we had hunting video games is kind of where it ended. Um, but yeah. I remember it was like, no, there's no guns that are shooting one another because that's not okay. So I think that's just kind of where the weird disconnect in the world has has gotten to. In my personal opinion, I think that violence and death has has honestly just gotten too mainstream, mm-hmm. and they don't really focus on gun safety. And you know, heck, I mean, I hear stories from my dad and. You know, I don't want to say the older generation, but, you know, like guys in their 50s and grandpa, it's like, yeah, we had shotgun racks in the back of our truck. You just lock your truck or the principal's office would take the would take the guns. And after school, you go back to the principal's office, you get your gun out of the case or the safe and you'd be able to go out hunting right after school. It's like that's not happening anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. uh <laughs> It's, it's safe to say that, that that's completely out of the question, which is a shame, you know, and, and that's we, we can divulge down into like a whole 50 <laughs> different rabbit holes going the way for society and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah, that, that, that's kind of a shame. A shame. I think that's been lost. And I think um, what's also been lost is this, you said you grew up um, small game hunting. I love small game hunting. I, I love bow hunting for, for squirrels. It's like my favorite thing to do. Um, you know, well, maybe not. it's, it's, it's pretty damn close, but, like a, um, uh, yeah, it's so much fun, you know? And, but I, I, and I don't know whether this is true or what I'm just like repeating what I hear all the time from people. So I don't know if it's like an echo chamber kind of thing, but I mean, do you think that kids today are skipping the, the joy, well, I don't want to say the joy of killing small things. That sounds terrible, but the joy of actually learning to hunt, uh, small game and and learning woodsmanship and sportsmanship and um, you know that kind of thing because all all we really see a lot of times too is you know the the other argument is like oh well you know if you want to get kids interested you got to have give them some high level of success and I'm like well you know setting them up you know on a tripod you know with a crossbow or or, or whatever or you know a gun that's sighted in for them this and that um, over again nothing really against feeders but the more you make stuff like super super easy for them without having to earn it then i personal opinion you guys may differ but i don't think that that creates that love of the outdoors i don't think it's getting them out for the right reasons um because it shouldn't just be about success and just like with everything else in society no one wants to to have the failures and work for anything you know, I mean, are you, are you guys kind of tracking with that too, that train of thought? I I completely agree. It's something that I've thought about a lot, to be honest. Um, I think maybe it comes from how how overhyped almost. Not that it's overhyped because everyone loves it, right? But how overhyped deer hunting is on social mm-hmm. media. It's kind of like the sexy thing that everyone does. And it's just like, it's just got reputation so i think when people are thinking about getting people into hunting they think they have to jump right to that and i think it takes way more patience than people realize i mean the people who love it don't really think about it that way but i know i had i even just growing up some of my friends 
uh, they loved to hunt, but they just were never that in deer hunting specifically, or at least the way we do it, bow hunting and sitting for long periods of time because they just didn't have the patience for it. And I think, think you can lose some people um, doing it like that. And I would also echo the fear of giving people too much too much success early on because I know I know it was like I went at least a whole season <laughs> my first deer and I remember like that first season again I'm like eight years old mind you but I still remember this time I was sitting out with dad in a snowstorm it was shotgun season so this would have been like mid-December here in Iowa and I remember uh it was like an ice storm or something and the ice like fell all the way from the treetop onto my head. And I was just like completely covered in ice. And it was like, I, I kind of hated it at the time, but I didn't hate hunting. Cause it was like ingrained in me that like, this is what we do and we like this, but it just added to that experience when I like fought through that, so to speak. And then was able to harvest my first deer the next year. It just made that moment so much more intense and it's something that'll stick with me. And I think you see this a lot, too, because I don't know about you guys, but I can think of several examples where you've seen social media outlets um, trying to get their kids involved in hunting, and they, they go out and they take them to a box blind, and they see 50 deer, and then they kill a huge buck, like this eight-year-old kid, and then like down the line, they're just not really interested in hunting anymore, because it's like, what, what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with your exact point as well, both of your points, because, you know, growing up, like Hunter said, I mean, we never hunted out of a box blind. We didn't have like food plots. You know, I remember it was just kind of you had kind of specific spots. And when shotgun season came in Iowa and if it was cold, you know, toughen up, (laughs) your feet are going to get cold. You're just going to have to learn how to grit it out and hope that a big a big deer comes. And I you know, we always, I think, I think the biggest problem you see with it anymore is just the social media aspect. And I think, um, you know, I've heard a couple different people, they'll send us messages or I'll talk to somebody and they're like, oh, I don't shoot as big a deer you guys do. And the first thing I do is I cut them off and it's like, don't, don't down yourself for anybody shooting a bigger deer than you every there's going to be somebody else in this planet that shoots a bigger than deer than you the guy who shot the world record deer okay maybe not him but like we're we always come off as you know i don't care what i have shot if you're telling me about your deer that's your experience if there's a kid who's been trying to get into hunting and he just sits behind a box into a box blind he hasn't put any work into it it'll be fun for a few times but that that kid who's Getting into the sport with his with his dad, a mentor, anybody who's going out small game hunting, everything is fun. You know, you see a squirrel, it's fun. Like I think the the biggest miss that we have anymore is just the social media aspect of people wanting to not have to post that they shot like a two year old deer because some some guy there there's always somebody who's like, oh, you should have let that walk one more year. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the biggest problem I see anymore. So, yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think it's it's changing for the better. I I, I think um, because we have kind of made the shift away from outdoor channel, um, sportsman channel kind of shows, 
where, uh, like you were, you were saying earlier, you know, field full of deer, you know, five kill shots in 20 minutes, you know, kind of thing. Um, and the, the more realistic kind of shows, uh, have, have basically transitioned to YouTube, you know, like you guys, like hunting public, like born and raised. Um, and they definitely, and, and meat eater for that matter, they definitely show, uh, the failures, you know, like, Hey, we made an entire episode and we didn't even come close to, uh, you know, chambering around or, or, or knocking an arrow or, or something like that. So I'm, I'm glad that is headed that way, but I do wish that uh, there would be somebody needs to make a show um, focus more on small game like we were talking about. I don't want to just focus on small game. That's not like what I'm obsessed with or anything like that. But I think it would go a long way towards um, kind of bolstering everything that we've, we've been we've been talking about. Because, um, you know, even even some of these, you know, shows like we were just talking about they still they may not shoot they're okay with shooting to the smaller bucks like um like the the hunting public guys right they don't necessarily always shoot like the giant bucks a lot of them the ones that you know you see them shoot um they're they work really hard for it they're super happy about it but they're not like giant deer you know but you still don't see them uh shooting a ton of ton of does you know they might but you know those aren't the videos they're putting out and i understand there's got to be a business aspect to it and they still have got to walk that line of okay you know um it, it's okay to shoot him, but you know we know like people probably aren't for some reason people aren't going to watch if they're shooting, um, you know, does or something like that. Now me, I'll watch anything. I, I you know, I and especially like more amateur guys, they'll shoot does all day long. I love that stuff, personally, you know. Um, uh, but but I, but I do think it's it's swinging in the better the better direction. So at least there's yeah. there's, the, there's that the bright spot, you know. I would agree, and I think the biggest draw of small game hunting to me to get somebody started is just. You get so much more time behind the trigger and, uh, you know, either just plinking them with BB guns or shooting them with your bow. Like you're going to have way more opportunities that, I mean, not way more, but, you know, you can realistically do more small game hunting sometimes and see more critters in a lot of different areas. Whereas, you know, today I think more people are focused on shooting a big deer. And, you know, my biggest advice to somebody getting into this sport is is how we started it was if it's brown it's down i mean mm-hmm. to be quite frank in i mean i remember i shot a lot of deer before it was finally a, a buck that was you know considered to be a, a nice buck yeah and i think your successes <clears throat> and all the same successes and the same reasons that you know you have success and the hunting public have success and uh steve Vernella has success is just based on the sheer fact that they have that time or they've been in that that situation multiple times to a point where they know what to do. They've already shot in how many other countless animals. Like you just get into, you don't get that buck fever or you don't freeze under pressure. Yeah. Now um, we can transition away from this like really really super deep thoughts that kind of stuff. So, um, <laughs> but you guys, you guys. Uh, you're all, you're an all season hunter. I mean, you're not just bow hunters. You, I've seen you guys shoot muzzleloader. I've seen you guys shoot, uh, you know, rifle. Um, I mean, you definitely take advantage of, of every opportunity to be outdoors, right? Yeah, for sure. That's actually really funny because we kind of, I don't want to say make fun of, but we, it's a little bit of an inside joke to us when we see people say like, I'm bow hunting turkeys because it's, 
for the challenge or like just the people who have like almost the bow hunting is the only way is just kind of hilarious to us because we we love all types of hunting and it's just kind of an inside joke that we have floating around <laughs> yeah um i i concur now i i bow hunt turkey because in minnesota here the season is like six weeks long if you choose an archery tag if you shoot choose a <laughs> uh shotgun um lottery tag then you only get like one week basically so it gets me a field and to, and to me it, it's way more fun like the last five years in the last five years i easily i, I i'm over four by the way but i easily 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 no question um could have you know, had like four turkeys down at this point if i was shooting with a shotgun i mean last year i missed one at nine yards with my recurve on the ground in a ghillie suit the the thrill i got from that still like when i think about it right now is just as exciting and everything comes running back and and i know i wouldn't have that um you know with 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 another type of weapon but you know i didn't shoot anything this year with my bow um you know i i I shot a uh i shot a doe in in rifle season you know and because i like the meat i love i love i love all aspects of it you know it's a gun that's it's it's an it's an old 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 battle rifle it's something i hand load for you know what i mean so um it, whatever kind of brings you whatever makes you happy in that moment you know what i mean because everyone likes to do that kind of like tears of like well rifle hunting's too easy and then you make it even harder and then it's compound you make it even harder than that then it's a you know a, a recurve or a longbow and this and that but in that moment in time i mean if it feels right then who's to say that the weapon you know that you have in your hand um, should bring you any less, more or less joy to, based on what other people think of you. You know, did I make any sense? I don't know if I said that right, but. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I was just going to say, and then you can talk, Trevor. I was just going to say, that's the cool thing about hunting is it's it can be so individualized and you can set your own goals. And I don't want to go too far in one direction because <clears> we'll say, <throat> I think for us, some of our goals right now is like, we want to shoot the biggest deer that we can find. I mean, that's kind of what we're after. So we don't want to take it too far in the other direction. Um, but that's the cool thing about hunting is you can, you can make it so individual and, and it's like, yeah, you can, you can use a, a gun to try to maximize your chances at getting the biggest buck, if that's your goal or like what you're doing, I know you're all traditional and then it takes that to a whole nother level. And, and that's really cool too. No, I'd I'd like to be all traditional. I'm not all traditional. <laughs> I, oh, okay. I, you know, uh, I, it, it's it's the weapon that I want to carry 99% of the time. But um, you know, I still have a compound like hanging up here. I'm looking at it. I carried it a couple times uh, this season. Um, I just never. I mean, I, I this past deer season. I mean, I just because of of jobs and schedule and this and that. I I, I got out like four days total you know which was terrible uh-huh. so i'm kind of trying to make up for it now with like some some small game you know before it ends at the end of mm-hmm. february here but um no i but i 100 understand what you're saying it's it's just kind of whatever strikes your fancy because i've tried to be like man you know I, I i love the feel of each one of these weapons that i carry and it's 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 a different um i don't know it's a different skill set you know it's like okay here's what i'm working with today um this is what i you know and, and it really doesn't change how i hunt especially with with bow hunting you know what i mean i'm still trying to get like in the right spot under 20 yards 
um, just trying to use any you know woodsmanship or experience or whatever to be in the right place, no matter what I have in my hand. You know what I mean? So um, those those are the things that that I think mean more to me than 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 what I'm carrying. Oh yeah, I would totally agree. Doesn't really matter either. Even for us, it's that's kind of why we always pick up different weapons. Is it's just okay now it's late muzzleloader season. Let's let's time to to get the powder out and let's go. And you know, it's at that point it we've already been chasing deer. I mean, in my case, I chased deer for like over thirty five days this year, and you know when the the muzzleloader seemed season came along it was like ah the equalizer's back i can shoot a little <laughs> bit further i'm so i'm so ready yeah yeah <laughs> so like, stick yep yeah like yeah. i was like heck yeah i don't care if it's you know if it's like a 100 yard shot and the last night the that big eight point he finally came into a range where i could shoot and it was like okay that wouldn't happen with a bow and i was jacked up either way on, on what it was so yeah i mean we just like to get out and hunt and try different weapons and actually for me personally it's always been kind of uh something that i need to work on is a gun shooting with guns because i i jerk the trigger pretty bad and even when i work on it i always screw up with with deer or big deer and so hunter and i joke (laughs) oh yeah like give me my bow at 80 yards and i'd 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 do better with it to be like honestly even hunter would uh, attest to that like so like I love my bow, and, and I uh, we actually did a lot of bow hunting turkeys when we were in high school, and it took us I don't know how long, like four years, before we shot one, and we were like running oh. and gunning with it. And on the channel, you'll see last year I got a bow tag for turkey season. That same that same reason that you liked it is it's got that longer season, and. I I had some of the coolest footage that we never even posted of turkeys at like six yards. I could never shoot them with my bow. We were running and gunning. And it's like finally I just got into a blind on our property and the turkey came into like six yards. And I was like, this is like, I know people hate decoy hunts in front of the of a blind, but I was like, I've never done this. That was cool. <laughs> I, I find nothing wrong with it. Um, like I said, I, uh, I, I have a blind and uh, I'll, I'll take it out. There's a couple spots I can get to, and it's just a few hundred yards off the road, you know, that I don't mind huffing it in. But I, I did more um, last spring. I did more sc- more scouting, and this is like, like you know, a good mile, mile and a half, maybe a walk back. Easy trail, easy flat kind of walking trail to get to get to this place. But, I mean, still, no one wants to hoof, like, a pop-up line on their back that far. And I said, screw it. I'm just going to go in with my ghillie suit, you know, put it on when I get there with in, in, in a stool. I didn't even end up using the stools on my knees, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those. It's like, whatever strikes my fancy. I've, I've kind of come to that, to that, uh, you know, um, realization that I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay with myself. I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, regardless of what, what other people, uh, what other people say. And, and I think, um, I, the the, the the i think the respect for the game and the, the the hunt itself and all that stuff i think no matter what you use in your hand speaks way more volumes than just saying oh i'm only this and everything else like sucks you know what i mean so um that that's just that's just kind of my um my, my view on it now you guys um you you have private private land but i mean do you did do some you did do some hunt uh, running guns because you used to have um 
sorry if this brings up like 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 bad bad blood or whatever but you you guys were testing one stand for for a little while and then you're like you did a video and you're like this stand sucks <laughs> and then you now i'm not gonna say it you guys the people can go research it <laughs> you know yeah. but um are you guys still mobile you guys still do a lot of the mobile stuff or uh are you, are you, are you doing more stuff on, on on your private uh on a private um parcels yeah, we're we've always been fairly mobile with hunting, especially on public land. I mean, when we grew up hunting, I know we keep going back. When we first started hunting, all of our hunts were pretty much you find a tree and you sit next to it. And so, growing up, hunting on the ground was always something that we just kind of gravitated toward. And then when we went to when hunters started really getting into public land hunting, he just started sitting next to brush piles and you know, he kind of had it already figured out on how he should set up on the ground. So then, uh, I think it was like a year or two after I really had started getting into public land as well. And I was like, man, we need to try to get some stands because I always liked, uh, hunting our private properties with a tree stand. You can get a better vantage point. And so that's when we got those mobile stands and, that thing sucked. Like <laughs> I, I used it like a couple of times and I went back to the same old stuff. And, you know, we really kind of just went to the, we're only going to hunt off the ground because we felt like when we were trying to be mobile, that a stand was just going to slow us down. And then, uh, this year I actually picked up a, a different company's product and I tried it out and there's video. It was just like an XOP tree stand. And, right. uh, it worked out a lot better. And, you know, we talked about this quite a bit and people can see it on, on the channel. Um, since I hunted so much this year, I was probably in that mobile stand setup over 85 to 90% of my, my hunting season. So, mm -hmm. you know, even though we have that private property, we didn't really, we had one shooter on the property, which dad got in October. And so ever since we didn't, have anything that we wanted to target had a couple younger bucks that we wanted to make it a couple more years so you know i just stayed mobile on different properties and on public land and uh yeah i mean i just was carrying a stand everywhere at some points my back was getting pretty sore from it but I, it was actually a lot more fun being able to have like a better setup just because i was mm -hmm. more able to like i told hunter it was like it's honestly just kind of fun to find a tree, climb it, hunt it, and then get down and be like, eh, that didn't work for me today. But you can like strategically hunt different areas of a property or different properties to be able to really hone in um, and get some different like first time sits, even though you've been hunting that property, like a first time sit on one side of the creek might give you a shot at a buck that you've been chasing all fall. Yeah, and you can move like... 30 yards if you need to if that's what it takes right know? exactly and you're like okay this even just like uh you know the, the, either tree might work as far as the tree goes but one tree might be blocked from a good shooting lane by the foliage from another tree and you're like okay well the one over there 10 yards over just get down go to that one is is a lot clearer <laughs> kind of thing so yeah it, it, it definitely uh so so you're liking the xop system then or is, is that kind of exclusively what yeah. you're using or 
Yeah, that's what I've been using. I've got the it's just a full XOP setup because it was on sale, to be mm-hmm. honest. But I got the air raid, so it's like like middle of the road on the size because I like the bigger platform and I got like four sticks. But I've been using like a cable aider and only been running two sticks. Mm-hmm. And that's really helped it uh knock it down. But to be like one hundred percent honest, the 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 setup that I want is one of those Lone Wolf custom gear ones. I just think the packability is really nice on those. I just haven't seen one in person to to want to pull the trigger on one and buy one. Have you guys seen the um, uh, the Dan and Fault stand, the Beast stand? I think I saw a photo of it. It might have been that one. I'm not sure if it was before it was released. I think we've seen a little bit of it. Yeah, it, it's been it's been released. It, it, he released it. I don't know, like a few weeks ago, I guess. Maybe a, maybe maybe a month, more than a month, something like that. But I mean, it, it's pricey. It's every bit of like like six twenty five or six fifty or whatever. But I mean, the thing weighs like I don't know. It's like five pounds or seven pounds or something like that. Super super light. Um, you know, I mean, designed by like the guy who was like, you know, the king of of mobile tree stand. You know, uh, guys kind of thing. You know, I mean, Dan and Full kind of is is you know top of the heap with that kind of stuff and uh you know nothing's cheap nowadays and you know some people are like scoffing like oh man uh, 600 and something bucks for you know just the stand alone um you know but if if that's you know some people are like that that hardcore into it and they're like okay well if this is going to be like the one stand i'm going to buy like forever then you know it's it's worth it to them to to you know to do that you know, I, I switched to a, you know, I, I, I drank the Kool-Aid. I switched to the saddle a couple of years ago. Um, I'm, I'm loving it because I was, I've never been comfortable, super comfortable in a tree stand in general, but, um, I'm feeling way, way, way more secure, you know, in a saddle, but you know, it's, it's not like the, 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 the roses and sunshine that, that a lot of people, you know, tend to make it out to be sometimes when they're, when, when they're promoting that stuff on, on these videos, because there's a learning curve with everything and it's not perfect. Um, you know, j- j- just, just like with anything else. And it, to me, like the weight really was never an issue because I had an XOP, um, vanish as well. Was not a fan of that stand for various reasons, but, um, it, it wasn't necessarily the weight, but just like hauling it up and like um, j- just the act of like hauling it up and trying to slap the thing onto the tree while you're hanging on sticks, even if you've got a lines, lineman belt, all that stuff. Um, and then getting on and trying to like securely lock it, that whole process of hauling that extra stuff up just drove me nuts. Um, oh, yeah. you know, so with, uh, with a saddle, you know, yes, you're still hauling in your sticks. Um, and, and I'm one sticking right now. Right. So I'm, i basically got my backpack and like one stick. Um, and I'm, I'm bringing it up with me kind of thing. And then when I'm at height, I'm at height, I'm ready. Now, is it, is it hundred percent ideal and, and, and perfectly, um, you know, able to shoot all around the tree the way I would like to? No, no, I can't because there's not enough foot, um, uh, foot placement area to be able to push off the tree to one side or swing around to the other side and have stability, um, that kind of thing. So it's, it's always, it's always a toss up, but, um, I think I think you're onto something with that that size of stand. Uh, the air raid I think is the same as like the lone wolf uh, um, alpha, and then the assault right. is the same as the vanish kind of thing. So um, I think that that assault lone wolf assault and the vanish size is a pretty damn good compromise for you know packability 
and enough platform and you know uh it's it's not, it's not too heavy i i don't think oh so. yeah and you know you're the ultimate of mobile hunting in my opinion like i mean we're kind of old school i would say but you know i really i when when i wanted to get into mobile hunting i looked at all the options and you know i looked at the saddles because they were becoming more popular and to be honest i just haven't gotten my head around like it's just like some little thing in my head that says i just don't like the idea of of being of relying on the rope i know it sounds dumb and it's not gonna break but Mm -hmm. like in my head it's like i've got a tree stand if the tree stand falls i've got that backup safety harness whereas like god forbid which would never happen the the tether breaks on your um saddle when you go to lean back and you don't have anything else so that's that's kind of where I always just have shied away from the saddle, but I, I definitely know it's it's the best for packability. And what you said about the weight is ex- exactly <clears throat> what I learned uh, this season on carrying the stand. It it was never the weight for me. And Hunter and I talk about this all the time. Like we're big we're big into weightlifting. We like fitness, and you know we this year on our elk hunt we carried a whole elk off our back just between the two of us. So like, we're not shy about carrying weight off our backs. But the biggest thing that I learned uh, this season with like carrying a stand is just the packability of it and how to get it as low profile as you can, especially when you have camera gear. Because I can see Mm -hmm. like my setup, like the setup that XOP has from the factory, like the way that the sticks go, they go out, it's not that bad. But those first couple hunts where I was trying to strap on a bag of camera gear, it just got to be ridiculous. So then I started getting into trying to mod it. And I like I made the video like turning your XOP into like a lone wolf custom gear, try to get the sticks to be more flush with your back. And once I did that, it made it like way more easy. Just making the system like compact down a little bit more so it's not so cumbersome out in the field. Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 there's no perfect way, you know, because with the stand, um, and you guys live like North enough, right? I mean, it's damn ass cold in Iowa too. Um, (laughs) I always, I always had the dilemma of like, okay, so when I had my vanish, I had like, you know, I bought like the, the, um, the backpack straps and then the, the Molly belt, you know, off Amazon or whatever, just to, you know, carry it easier. So early season, then you can use that as your quote-unquote pack and then strap a lighter pack to the outside of your stand. But your stand is the one that's really on your back and you're carrying in. But then you get you get like somewhere like mid-season, late-season where it's like, okay, well now I'm using a bigger pack. And so then do I wear the pack and then try to strap the stand to the back of the pack? You know what I mean? And then you got to take all the Molly oh, yeah. stuff off because there's extra stuff dangling around and you always got to kind of switch it around. And I hated and I hated having to switch around my equipment um, depending on depending on like how cold it was going to be, you know, because, you know, and, and I'm not even carrying like camera stuff. I have like my iPhone and like I just got a GoPro. So um, but you know, to be able to like strap that stuff and not squish and break anything, you know, like cameras and things like that. And then if you're carrying extra clothes, you know, then it's, you know, that, that, that was part of it for me without, with, with, with trying to strap everything together. And then at the end of the hunt, you know, especially if you're going to walk in, you know, 
deep or even not so deep, you know, whatever. No one wants to, I mean, the worst part of the hunt, when you get down, it's dark, it's cold, and you're trying to, like, get all your sticks where they should be, and you're trying to strap them all. Like, where did this bungee go? Oh, crap, this flung off. Am I, did this <laughs> Did this strap go here? Or did it crisscross this way? You know? Yeah. And it felt different walking in because I had my heavy my heavy jacket strapped or, you know, inside my backpack, um, and it squished a certain way. But now I, it's, it's cold now because the sun's down and it's pitch black, and I'm wearing I my jacket. I can't feel my fingers. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing my jacket, so the, the bulk in my pack is completely different than when I walked in, so the strap length are completely you know you know what i mean and i was just like uh this i i i like sitting in a stand maybe but i just just dealing with packing it in and out and actually like packaging it logistically was like um <laughs> that's the part that, that, I, that i really hated you know i mean and some people just figure it out and it's not a big deal you know to each their own kind of thing to me i just wanted to get away from that um and and you said about you know not wanting to hang off just one rope i'm 100 percent um, an agreement. Now, everyone in the saddle community will tell you that thing's never going to break. You know, it's rated for, you know, 25 kilonewtons and this, that, and the other, and hundred percent agree, right? There's, but for me, um, it, it's my ass in the air. And so right. what I do is I, you know, I, I run this, um, see if you ever go down this path you'll, you'll understand any of these terms i'm talking about but there's like these high-tech ropes out there right one of them is called oplux and it's like eight millimeter and it is super compact super pliable and it's got an incredibly like high like breaking strength and you know two eight foot sections of that are more than enough for me and they fit pretty much inside like a dump pouch almost and regardless of what i'm going to like so basically i have two i have two of them and I put a second bridge, you know, like the bridge is the one that kind of connects to, you know, your, yeah. um, your left and right side, right? So I put a second tubular webbing bridge on my saddle. Um, so when I get to height, I've got two ropes, two bridges, two carabiners, two completely separate. So unless your saddle falls apart, you know, you're not, right. you're not going anywhere kind of thing. And my argument to that is, you know, people are like, well, you know, why don't you have a trampoline under it? You know, if you're that concerned, I'm like, shut up, you know, come on. If, 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 if someone's concerned about their safety, you don't make fun of it. Right. But, um, my thing is like most people climb with a, uh, alignments belt too, you know, on, on their sticks. If yep. you're going to have that in, and you can use this as alignment belt too. If you're going to have two ropes with you anyway, you're not taking anything extra with you. All you got to do is put an extra bridge on, on your saddle. So, that's that's what I do. I you know I, I climb up, I, I get up there, and then when I'm situated, I throw the other, um, throw the other uh, identical uh, rope, you know, which is, ends up being the tether, you know, which looped around the tree, and it, it it hooks to the second bridge, so they're completely redundant to one another, and I and that just gives me like peace of mind, you know what I mean? It gives me extra peace of yeah. mind, and like I said, you're not you're you're carrying it in anyway. It's not like anything extra, so. Um, that, that, that might be an option, you know, to go down, but yeah, the, um, the saddle community is, um, they're very, very DIY and, you know, I, I got into it right before the like explosion of popularity of it kind of thing, but I definitely heard about it because it was getting more popular. You know, I didn't like discover it cause I'm some great, you know, uh, innovator or whatever, but, um, yeah, that, that. There's there, there's there's a lot of innovation going on, like you know, better ropes, better equipment, um, you know, the, you know, going up with one stick and rappelling down, you know, at the end, and there's just so much out there to do, and and I, I kind of geek out on like the, 
on on that kind of stuff too to just kind of streamline everything um, t- to safe but minimalist, you know, and with with a backup. So I'm 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 all about that. Yeah, and I mean, just hearing how you're doing it, that actually makes me think that you know maybe I should try to figure out how to use a saddle because. Like you said, making it all streamlined to a to a point where, you know, for us carrying in camera gear and then throwing a stand on and everything, that just gets to be a lot. So you can't have like multiple. I mean, we've I've tried this in the past where it's like I had a public land backpack and then I had a private land backpack. <laughs> and it's like at some point you've got your batteries in your your private land backpack and you're going to public and you forget something so it's just like you can't have multiple set you just have to have you just have to have a system that you can use for both i think and mm-hmm. you know trying to keep it minimalist like you said makes that so much easier because then you're not like why in the heck am i carrying this backpack i've got something in here that i don't really need so i would well, agree there i definitely say we need to try a saddle at some point we keep saying it but it's like every time we get into these conversations. It seems like it seems like everybody loves them. So it's like something that we really need to try. But one thing that this conversation reminded me of while we're on the topic of gear, not to switch gears too far here, but one thing that we kind of realized this year, and it, and it doesn't get enough credit, especially with the whitetail hunting community, is how valuable a puffy jacket is for whitetail hunting. And I don't know yeah. if you've used one, but they're like they're like magic and they're a little spendy, but like if you can afford a good mobile setup, you can definitely afford a good puffy and like they weigh nothing. And so like what you're talking about living around here as the season goes on, you start to get all this extra bulk and like these puffy jackets just weigh next to nothing. They can pack down to almost nothing in your pack. Right in the season, I probably would never take mine out. And then what you end up with, if you have a good puffy, is basically wearing a base layer, like a jacket in, and then when you get all set up, you can take out this puffy. And just with those layers, I'm probably good down to like 20 degrees. And I think anybody that's doing like mobile hunting, that's one piece of gear that for whitetail hunting, I think does not get nearly enough credit. 100%. I... um. I pretty much live in my, uh, I have a first light on compadre, um, mm-hmm. that's probably going on its fifth year. And I, I've said it many times that jacket, um, punches way above its weight class. Um, I'm sure, and, and I know there's other comparable ones. I, I haven't tried any of the Sitka stuff. I haven't tried any of the, you know, the Kuyu puffies or whatever. They're all, they're all very similar. Um, some are noisier than others. You know, that's one of the um, kind of knocks against uh, some of these uh, puffies with that are that are not not rain uh, rainproof, but uh, you know, rain resistant kind of thing. They got that DWR coating. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't found it to be too noisy, honestly, uh, per- personally. But you know, some people complain about that, so they go to you know more more of the you know the, like the wools and the um, uh, you know fleece and that kind of stuff, but. Yeah, there's no reason where why a, a puffy that you know compresses down to the size of a, you know, like a a tiny, a tiny, tiny like half a pillow kind of thing, shouldn't reside in your pack because, I mean, even as an emergency item, you know, I mean, you may not ever need it, and then let's just say you're you're out, you know, you shoot something, you're out tracking late at night, or you get turned around and it's late, and you're like, oh shit, it's getting cold. I mean, it's it's just such a such a valuable valuable tool. 
and um, if you're you know if you're even semi-active, meaning you're kind of sort of walking around, I agree with you. I'm good. I'm if I'm kind of sort of walking around. Um, I'm good till like lower than 20. You know what I mean? Like sitting in a tree stand, no, I, I, I'd need something else on there, but just right. kind of sort of moving around, you, I'm fine, you know, without a lot of bulk. Yeah, we got, we got ours this year. Or I guess I got mine, and then um, I actually gave Heidi, I don't know if she had the idea, but Trevor's girlfriend Heidi got him one for Christmas after he had to hunt with me, filming him all year with my nice new puffy jacket <laughs> and the luxury that it provided he got one for christmas this year but yeah we i got it for um our backpacking elk hunting trip obviously for the weight and it just it gets so much uh hype for that scenario and hunting out west but i just don't hear the whitetail hunters talking about it and i think a lot of it's like obviously you shouldn't really be busting a bunch of brush with them on because they're like it's like we were talking about they're lightweight so they're not meant for that kind of stuff but i mean you don't really want to wear it when you're moving around like what you were just talking about no you you get too hot what what did you what did you get what did you end up uh what brand you end up getting so we all have the um oh yeah cryptic i almost blanked on the brand there but we all got the cryptic gar and it's a it's a pretty heavyweight one i'd say but it weighs like I want to say like 16 ounces or something like that. It's doesn't have a hood, which I like. And then it's also a blend of synthetic and down and the down is treated. So mm-hmm. it's, it's more uh, water safe. Like if you get absolutely poured on you, fall in a Creek or something, it's, it's more likely to keep you warm. Cause that's one thing with the down jackets is if you get like just one off the Costco rack, it, it might be a, even a goose down jack, which is going to be super warm, but if you get that thing wet, it's going to be next to useless. So that's that is one thing that I think is really important is get at least treated down, if not some sort of blend of down and synthetic. If you're going to go with the <laughs> down jacket, and yeah. I really like that cryptic gar, I think it looks cool too. So that's a that's a big plus. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much technology out there now with 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 that kind of stuff and. Um, you know, I go back and forth between like base layers as far as like Merino versus synthetic. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that debate's ever been solved. I mean, we, we, we all know, you know, the, the arguments for both, you know, one, one, one dries quicker, one, you know, doesn't stink longer, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I don't know. I have both. I wear both. Uh, it, it really doesn't, you know, seem to affect it one, one way or another, but, um, you know, I, I try to buy stuff. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any, do you guys have partnerships with, with any of these, any of these companies? You can give them a shout out too, if you want. Not no, good. we don't. <laughs> we've actually, we've always been of the opinion of buy anything that's on sale, like that's yeah. from a good company. So like we, we've always been like mixed and match camo. So, I mean, no, not at this time. We're not partnered with anybody. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I think today I had, um, some some like thin some thin weight uh bass pro shop uh like base layer you know bottoms i had a first light merino no yeah i had a first light no it was that no, was it was also bass pro and i had like a uh, a kuyu uh something or other for on top of that that i had my first light jacket i mean i mix and match had to do like i don't match anything <laughs> you know what i mean i'm with you on like buying stuff on sale and um you know good just just good good garments one thing i haven't done 
um, and there's there's plenty of research you can do to do it. I, I just never get around to actually doing it. Is is trying to get like the the non camo or non hunting brand uh, equivalent, you know, yep. in in the private sector or, or in the you know non hunting sector where. Because you're not paying for like real tree licensing or mossy oak licensing or first light or second whatever, uh, you get you get a much better you know same product same material you know like pants with four way stretch or you know uh, same I- I- insulating fill or, or whatnot for a jacket but you're paying like you know like sixty percent of the cost and because it doesn't say sit on it or first light on it kind of thing so that's definitely something I need to. I need to do more research on, you know, before I buy things, but I'm, I'm so cheap. I, I, I hang on to things for like for years, you know? So <laughs> oh, yeah. if, if I bought yeah. more stuff, you know, maybe I'd be like, Oh man, I, I need to, you know, trim down or, you know, somehow skinny my budget down kind of thing. But I, I don't know. Really we've, ton- we've got a ton in common because we're the same way. Like if, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Don't, don't buy, like we don't buy any new like clothes unless we absolutely are like oh yeah we need something but like i mean that's kind of the one thing that we've got those puffies and now it's like i honestly have no idea what else i could need need for a clothes now it's like hunter and i always make the joke where it's like i have better hunting clothes than i have like regular work clothes i spend like all this money on hunting clothes and it's like i don't <laughs> i don't care what i wear every other day i care what i wear when i'm in the hunting field <laughs> dude i i fl- i flex sealed my boots this year i i was on i was on year four of of uh the lacrosse uh arrowhead boots right and, and I, I love those things they're great but one of them finally started to get a bit of a leak like just above um where, where the calf and the ankle kind of meet you know in, in in the back there um if i'm in deep enough water you know if i if i do that and uh mm-hmm. And I only wear like I only wear those boots just because like I'm not one who believes in like scent control and this and that. I, I I'm not. I, it's more if you're walking through like wet marsh grass, you know, in the morning, the dew just doesn't penetrate and like mm-hmm. soak into your pants and shoes kind of thing. So I'll just wear rubber boots most of the time. They're easy to get on and off. But they started to leak, and I'm like, well, shit, man, I don't want to spend like another 180 bucks on these things. I can get at least one more year out of these. So I spent like like. Twelve ninety nine or whatever on a can of Flex Seal, and I Flex Seal the crap out of these things, and they work great. I'm saying it's gonna it's, it's gonna last Serious. me through this this yeah. So maybe next year I'm gonna get new boots. That's good. <laughs> no, no, that that's funny because I I love those commercials for Flex Seal, and like we <laughs> used it on a boat up in Canada one year to try to stop a leak, and like the next year we went back up there, it was just leaking all over the place. So we always really? joked about Flex Seal, but so I mean, it'd be funny if you could a, make. You're not going to sail on a screen door like the commercial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, we're not going to test that out. But I think it'd be funny to have you make a commercial for them on, on how it worked for your boots. Because, hey, maybe it'll it'll keep working and you won't have to get a new pair. I I will tell you though. Um, I I don't know I don't know if you guys what brand you wear or whatever, but the lacrosse ones are kind of like that neoprene with with the um. Neo, that neoprene with the with the with the rubber kind of blend kind of thing so the part that's neoprene it definitely did make that i know it says flex seal but it it it, it definitely made it less flexy so the boots are <laughs> a little bit harder to get on and off because they don't stretch as much while you're putting your foot in and out of them but i think it was a worthy uh worthy trade-off for for not you know for getting one more year out of out of boots so <laughs> i would agree that was thinking way further outside the box than i would have so 
Someone that's, suggested that's actually, actually cool. was not my idea. They're like, yeah, why don't you try Flex Seal? I'm like, you know, I'm going to do that. What, what have I well, got people, to lose? I mean, they already yeah. leak. <laughs> well, it's funny how, like, you – I mean, people, other people have other ideas. Like, when I made that video pretty much bashing that other stand company – a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, you could just coat it in Flex Seal. And I'm like, why didn't I think of that? That's genius. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you add, like, a crap ton of weight, too. Like, they do that with um, right. um, nothing against, uh, nothing against like, summit stands. I think summit stands are, you know, if, if that's your thing, climber and all that stuff, they're, they're like, I think they're, like, super awesome, right? But um, people will spray, like, spray foam, you know, expanding foam and stuff into the tubes to make them quieter. You know, it's like, well, how much extra weight? Well, I mean, it's not like the lightweight anyway, I guess. But it's it's just a lot of some things are a lot of rigmarole to go through to kind of quiet things down and, and deaden the noise and this and that. And it's like, if you're going to go through all that, why don't you just buy a better quality product or something that's that's designed to not, you know, make that kind of noise or be lighter or, you know, whatnot. But I don't know. People tinker. I love I love tinkering personally. I'm a tinkerer, you know. Yeah, yeah, we definitely. I like to tinker as well, but like it definitely gets to be the point where if you already have something that works, it's tough to like want to keep tinkering with it like that or like how extreme can the can the one stick method or like the I don't know whatever methods there are nowadays for climbing trees lightweight, like how far do you want to push it before it's almost too hard and you want to fall back to the stuff that you like doing like i've never personally got into the mobile hunting um tree stand or saddles or anything yet i've tried a couple of times but i ultimately i think a lot of it is the camera stuff like what trevor was saying it just adds a lot of complication when you have Mm -hmm. to do all that it's just one more step and 10 extra pounds or whatever but i think for me it's just i would try like once a year and then it's like well I've killed like six out of my seven biggest bucks sitting on the ground. So I'll probably just do that. And I just get into this lazy stint where I don't want to carry the stand. And, and it seemed to be working pretty good for me. I, I actually, I mean, it's more common nowadays, right? You start hearing more about people hunting on the ground a lot. I think Zach Ferenbaugh from the hunting public has kind of paved the way for that. And I think it's really really sweet but i started doing it well he made it popular faster right yeah because for sure and remember hunter he was trying to get into public to ground hunting at the iowa deer classic and he liked your video so yeah, he was, just was the most popular one to do it yeah for sure and and that was a that was a fun conversation because now like looking back i've heard him like say stories where like he had spent so many so much time hunting uh, out of a tree stand the year prior to that deer classic and we met him at the deer classic and I just remember like having that conversation with him about ground hunting because that same year I had killed it was my biggest buck at the time and it was off the ground on public actually my first public land deer too but anyway I had made a video and he had like seen it and it was it was pretty sweet to be able to talk about it but the reason I started out with it was because I was actually afraid of heights when I started uh, deer hunting and like, I just couldn't get in a tree stand. So dad would always make, I guess, brush pile blinds going into the season and we'd get setups like that. And so the more I did it, the more comfortable 
I became. And obviously the more you do something, the better you get at it. And now it's like to the point where I can pick out a brush pile or even just a clump of trees. And typically I can make it work. Um, mm -hmm. I can, it, it's definitely like not for everybody because like it gets pretty uncomfortable. Like when I shot my big deer this year, I had to like stay so motionless and so low to the ground. My back was kinked. Like <laughs> I felt like I wasn't gonna be able to walk right for a week. I remember, but uh, it can definitely work. And I just get into that mode where I just, all I gotta do is throw in my leafy suit and into my backpack. When I, when I get in there, I can pull it out and, and typically pull it off. So it's probably definitely was, me a few times, but I, I like it still. Was that the deer? Um, that was your video, right? Was that the deer that kind of stood there for a while, acting weird? Um, that was Trevor's buck, actually. That was but Trevor. Yeah, okay, all right. Whatever happened with that deer? Because, I mean, I was watching that going, that's, that's something's wrong with that thing. That didn't act right, you know? Um, did, did any, anything else come of that or... No. So, I mean, in the moment, you know, we were facing the other way and all I could see was his eyeball, his split G2 and his rump and then like a small opening, which I finally was able to turn around and shoot through. And at the time, Hunter got better footage than I ever expected to have because he was he had his arm out behind the tree that he was using as back cover oh. and he got footage of the deer and um good footage of it for whatever an hour or what it was, it was forever and, he didn't move oh no i know and you know we we shot the deer we looked him over we're like man what like we talked about it quite a bit way more than it looked like on that video but mm -hmm. we still talk about it to this day and like in the video it looks like like people i mean first thing people comment that he had cwd but like in the video it looks like he's stuck on a tree um but then after I shot him, he just like plowed through it. And that whole time he was just like standing there, just looking that direction that he was looking was towards like the access point of that piece of public. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know this at the time, but when we were dragging him out, there was like, we saw like five to 10 other tree stands in that, that walk out of there. Oh, wow. So like, we're like, was he like watching the access like if he would have bedded down, it would have been a lot more normal for his for his activity and what he was doing. So we honestly believe that the buck was just so exhausted from the rut because we were fairly certain the buck that we saw the night before I shot him was that buck. Because um, I remember getting a glimpse glimpse of a split G two on his right side through the binoculars, and then I remember seeing a lot of like a bunch of times on his left like that's how i would explain it and then that next day the buck was literally going back to that same spot which led us to believe it was the same deer so you know the deer was acting like very normal the night before i'm we either spooked him the night before or the turkeys around him made him spook so when he stood there like that it was really strange but he had two busted tines um on his left side and I don't know this for a fact if, like, he got into a fight that night and he busted them. But, like, the way he was acting was definitely, I would say, not of what somebody would think would be normal. So I definitely think he was just so worn out from the rut that he was just 
at that point where he was just tired and delirious and I don't know. He could have been blind. I guess he could have had CWD. He, he could have had COVID, right? So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's kind of always been our joke. He's just the COVID buck. Because he didn't really move much after he shot him either, right? I mean, he kind of stood there after you shot him too. Yeah, I shot and then he ran up the hill and yeah. then I sent two other follow-up shots at him that ended up getting deflected through the brush. But I think he only stuck around there uh, because it confused him. I mean, I think it confused him enough to a point where, like, the second shot, like, it hit, like, kind of in front of him, which made him turn around and run down the hill. And then the other shot that got deflected, he didn't know what the heck it, that was. And so then I think after that point, he started to, like, oh, man, I don't feel good. And that's when he just bedded up. Mm. So the whole thing was extremely strange, like... I had like I just wrote I'm in the process of writing an article about that deer for Buckmaster's magazine, which I never thought would happen. So, I mean, the whole thing is just a weird experience. And like the the amount of views on that video and the amount of people commenting, I was just like, holy cow. Like I was like, oh, well, this is going a long ways, I guess. So. Um, yeah, 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 no. There's no so good answer. Just a confluence to it. of just weird events, I guess. That you know, yeah, yeah. There's like a you lot. Because no, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, there's a lot that happened that just didn't really make it into the video for various reasons. I mean, the him spooking the night before didn't make it into the video because I didn't get any footage of him the night before um just through the brush i mean we actually have the clip where like you can see the tail but like nobody would have known what was going on so it didn't make the video and then um like there's a lot of people commenting uh like cwd obviously and one thing i wanted to say is like there's no cwd in this area like it's never been confirmed in this county or the surrounding counties and so, like, what, time, what's the exact pin so everyone knows? No, just kidding. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's in Alaska. It's yeah. A, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. But so at the time, like, we, we, I'll say, like, we probably should have gotten this deer tested for how he was acting, but like, we didn't even think about it because there's not CWD in our area. So it was just mm -hmm. like, we didn't even know the process of getting a deer tested. And then I don't think it was because I don't know how a deer could go. Like, CWD doesn't happen overnight, I guess, is what I want to say. Is he was acting normal, at least from what we could tell. He had two freshly broken tines. He had worn himself down from the rut to the point where he had lost. He only weighed 140 pounds field dress. And, hmm. like, in contrast, a buck of that caliber that we shot early season, we shot three big bucks early season, they all weighed close to 200 pounds field dress. So it's, like, yeah. a lot of different factors that people but. – uh, but I want to put a caveat to that. I shot a deer the last day of season, and he only weighed, what was it, 120 pounds. So I think it could also do with just the fact that that book was also worn down from the rut, too. And that was like 60 miles away. So talking about the weight. Yeah, and and like a, a buck of that caliber especially and being blind, like – he just wouldn't have made it. I mean, there was literally like six probably tree stands that we walked by just on the way out. Like this is a big old public land buck. And if he was blind, 
he just wouldn't have made it. And so, like, some of the things are just ridiculous, and it kind of grinds my gears. I remember I actually – that was, like, that was hard when some of the comments started coming in. I was probably taking it worse than Trevor was because it's Trevor's deer, and I was just, like, so worked up about these comments coming in and, like, these people that have no idea the actual story behind it and, like, almost trying to take away from the hunt from Trevor. Like, that was probably – the only time where I've been like, you know, I don't know if the YouTube thing is worth it. I was pretty frustrated with the whole thing, but there's obviously been some good comments that have come with it. And I think some good opportunities and, and I, I mean, we're super pumped. I've had the hunt. We're super proud of it. So it's, it's one of those things that gets me kind of worked up, but. Yeah, YouTube uh YouTube comments I've said forever is just like the cesspool of of social media commentary. Well maybe well maybe next to Twitter, but I'm not on Twitter. But yeah, no, I mean Yeah, me either. <laughs> YouTube is absolutely just terrible. Just terrible. I don't I don't I don't know what it is about it. You know, I don't know what it brings out in people that's just like, you know, people who don't produce and again, you, this is coming from a guy who like talks poorly into an iphone you know and and tries to you know put stuff out you know but people who don't produce any kind of content whatsoever to be any kind of uh, you know educational or helpful or anything to anybody will get on there and be like well you should have done this or you effing that or you don't know what you're doing it's like oh my god seriously <laughs> then you do it yeah you know or just oh, don't yeah. watch <laughs> leave me alone <laughs> you know, know. Like a billion other channels you can go harass leave me alone you know and you know, we've had this, like, we've always done this thing where we make a video, we always leave the comments on because there are a lot of really great people that we've gotten to, like, not, like, meet, but, you know, be able to, like, have conversations in the YouTube comments where it's like, man, I would love to be able to meet that person and sit down and have a conversation with them and just, like, get to know them. I, like, there's some people that comment on our videos all the time and it's like, man, I would just love to be able to go on a hunt with this guy because he just has, like, a good aspect of life. So, like, not all of it is bad, but, like, obviously the bad outweighs the good sometimes where it's just, like, I mean, we read every comment because we try to stay, we try to, like, try to engage with our viewers as best we can. And it's just, like, it gets to a point where it's just, like, man, you guys, like, some of you people are just really mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've got I've got one. Vi- I still it still drives me nuts, and I don't know why. But I've got one video I did like last year or year before, something like that. It was like recurves versus longbows, right? And it was kind of like for people that don't know the difference, um, just what 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 differentiates them, that kind of thing. Now I did this outside at like five something in the morning, you know, because you know before <laughs> work, before you know all the shit. So I'm trying to fit in. It's a, and it's like it's it's springtime, late spring in Minnesota, which is like. Uh, I mean, like mosquito, like heaven, uh, especially at this place and especially around me because I'm a magnet for that kind of stuff. So even with all like the um, uh, bug spray and this, that and the other, I even apologize on the thing. I'm like, I'm, I'm swatting stuff away. You know what I mean? I'm like, I apologize, you know, the, the, the kind of all over you. The, half the comments on there are telling me that, hey, you know, they make something called bug spray. Well, sh- seriously. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, like. 
<laughs> nothing about like, oh, thanks for the information about this or this was helpful or <laughs> it's it's more like yeah. guy right. video sucks because half the time he was swatting. I'm just like, oh my God. You <laughs> well, missed the, the point completely. You would get exactly. up at five o'clock in the morning and you make a video before work or before you come home and you gotta make your, you know, your uh your daughter breakfast. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like leave right. me alone. Like, come on. Then <laughs> then you're the one who's staying up editing the video or putting right. it together. You know, it's just like <laughs> No, and I think the biggest problem is people can hide behind a, a keyboard. And, you know, some people have commented, they're like, you guys comment too much back to some of these these haters. Just let them hate. And I'm just like, no, I don't want them to watch my videos. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if these haters watch. Like, we've blocked people. I could care less if we get thousands of less views. Like, I want to help if if we help one person if we entertain one person in our videos, so be it. So it's just like, you know, if you're going to hate on our stuff, we're going to reply. Like, that's just kind of who we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do more of the delete thing. You know what I mean? I, I, I rarely take time to reply because it's like, okay, it's not, it's really not worth it. Cause I yeah, mean, you're, right. you're not going to change this person's opinion. And it's, it's one of those <laughs> things like, I could be doing something else right now, different than, you know, block is like one quick little or block and delete the comment or something like that, you know, one little mm-hmm. like click and you're done versus like, okay, how am I going to word this? Uh, should I be snarky? Should I just call him an asshole? Should I, you know, just flat out say it or do like the passive aggressive, like, thanks for coming out. Be sure to subscribe. You know what I mean? Kind of thing. Oh, yeah. so, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to just delete it and just block. <laughs> Smart. No, we've done some of that too. But it's, sometimes it's just too much fun to mess with some people. I, yeah. I guess that's just who we are. Yeah, we got <laughs> the other day. I don't know if you saw my reply, Trevor, but it's like it was just hilarious to me because the guy commented on that same video that we were talking about, that public land buck that you killed, Trevor. And he was like, I only clicked on the video because the thumbnail picture made him look a lot bigger. And I was just like, Jesus, I was like, you're right. Like, I was like, 156 inch public land buck isn't worth watching. Sorry, I wasted your time. And I just got like the biggest kick out of it because it was just hilarious to me. Uh, yeah. Well, anywho, well, guys, we're we've been on like an hour and a half here, so um, I don't know. Is, is there is there anything? We just like anything else, we can talk for hours. So we, we got to cut oh, it off yeah. at some point. Is is there <laughs> uh, is there anything else you guys want to touch on? Um, anything you know, burning that you got to get out there? You know, uh, post season, pre turkey season. Anything you guys want to talk about? I don't have anything. It's been pretty slow for us here. I mean, you've got the same situation. We've got 15 inches of snow, so it's been yeah. pretty brutal of a winter. And we're just looking forward to get back, getting back outside and, and uh, enjoying nature again. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Uh, like I said, today today turned out to be very uh, very fruitful. I'm glad I went out today because I, I, I you know, got to actually get in some really good scouting um, cause last couple of years, uh, where there typically have been a lot of deer in some of the places I hunt, the, they've gone down or they moved off or, or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I, I need to get back into some places that I haven't been in, you know, years. And I went to a place that I haven't been back in like five, six years. And I'm like, Oh yeah, this is good. You know, it's like pin, 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 yeah. pin. And then I found a really good Turkey spot too. Cause, uh. I just happened to see one kind of walking around and it saw me and I saw where it ducked in and I kind of walked over to where it ducked into the tree line and just turkey tracks everywhere. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, 
Because, you know, once they're in an area, they don't really stray too far from that area, especially in not right. in the next couple months. So I'm like, all right, uh, we're good. We're going to put this uh, we're going to put this in the phone and, uh, and and move on. So. All right. So um, I guess, uh, yeah, we can wrap it up, guys. Do you want to uh, just kind of we've been talking about it for an hour and a half. But I mean, you guys want to say your uh, you know, YouTube channel, all, all that stuff again, where everyone can follow you and, and watch guys. Yeah, yeah, this has been great. I really appreciate having you having you have us on tonight. Um, I think you do a good job with the podcast. You ask the right questions and it's, it's really good. I appreciate the oh, conversation and um, we'll have to do this again. We have our YouTube channel, which we've been talking about a lot, just Brunk Outdoors on YouTube. We have a website, just Brunk Outdoors. Uh, if you search Brunk Outdoors on any social <clears throat> media platform, you'll run into us. And uh, yeah, we, we started a podcast, so we're not very good at the whole podcast thing yet. We've got to get some pointers from you. Yeah, talk uh, about that. Called... I know you mentioned that in the beginning, and uh, I, I didn't know you guys started a podcast. Yeah, so I started a podcast a couple years ago, and then I never did anything with it. Uh, it's just called the Modern Hunter Podcast, brought to you by Brunk Outdoors. Just kind of keep it gene- generic. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a place where we're going to have more longer-form discussions, kind of like what we're doing here the you know content that's not going to be a good youtube video where it'd be like just too long watching guys talk so i just added that to it and you'll just we'll see some stuff on uh just what we're seeing and some of our opinions and whatnot and we'll eventually have some more guests on so yeah i'm definitely gonna have to subscribe so Cool. All right. Why don't you guys uh, hold on with me uh, after we stop recording here. And uh, for everybody listening, thanks for listening. Uh, Make sure you go follow these guys. Again, super, super, like, good guys. Um, Very personable. Um, I don't know. I I really like your guys' content, you know, because you guys shoot a lot of cool stuff. And then you also are very honest about a lot of stuff. So I I really like it. So um, thanks uh, thanks for listening. Please like, share, and subscribe and leave a rating. That's absolutely huge. And uh, check out... uh, uh, you know, Bowhunting Soul YouTube channel and Instagram and all that, all that other, all that other jazz. So, and thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. All right, I'm going to stop recording now. <laughs>